Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the center of the galaxy, this is a Force Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsug for another edition of Spotlight Star Wars Episode 44. It's a free-for-all tonight. And I'm sure, as I record in the news breaks just this afternoon, as I record on a Friday, that J.J. Abrams himself says, Oh, you all don't know nothing about Ray's parents, because they are not in Episode 7. Hmm, J.J., what have you done to the Star Wars nerd sphere? 
Glad to be back. I took a week off. I hope y'all were okay with that. I was a little under the weather. Then I had to leave straight for Las Vegas for uh, the Cauliflower Alley Club reunion, a, uh, a pro wrestling alumni association that I'm part of. And every year there's a big uh, two-night banquet wrestling shows, five days in Las Vegas. I tried very hard to find Star Wars slots. Believe it or not, harder than it looks. I know there are Star Wars slot machines. I believe, as classy as this seems, I believe they are at the Hooters Casino, or at least they were when I played them about 10 years ago. I have been to the Hooters Casino since and played the Lord of the Rings slots, which are my favorite slots to play, but I haven't found a good Star Wars slot machine. If you're aware of a good Star Wars slot machine, whether it be in Vegas or Laughlin or Atlantic City or on a cruise ship outside in pirate waters, you let me know because I'd love to lose my money that way. On tonight's episode, like I said, I have to focus on what you all want to hear. Now, we are uh, recording a Force Center with special guest Mark Ellis that will, uh, I'm sure, no doubt, talk about Ray and her parents and how it factors in on Episode 8 and uh, whether or not they were in Episode 7. But at the time of this recording and this uh, episode being released first, you're going to get my fresh take, my fresh take look and reaction at this story that broke uh, some point today uh, on Friday, April 15th, in which J.J. Abrams said that there is no one in Force Awakens who is Ray's parents. Um, so, of course, the first thing you do is you check Luke Skywalker off the list. And a lot of you are asking, like James Chi at Chiman 1000 tweeting in, just seven minutes ago at the time of this recording at hashtag Spotlight Star Wars, he wants to know my reaction this evening from the news regarding Ray's parents. Look, at this point, I, I my reaction is maybe surprisingly meh. Uh, it's from J.J., the new creator of this Star Wars universe, the one who got the ball rolling, along with Kathleen Kennedy and everyone from Lucasfilm, of course. But he's kind of the new face of it, even though he is uh, giving up the directing chair to Ryan Johnson and Colin Trevorrow. And J.J. is right now uh, one of the men, the top dogs in Star Wars. So if he says, hey, kids, Episode 7, no... No sign of Ray's parents in there. It's still to come. I, I take it as his word, but also, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It could be, it could be another mystery box thing. could be a big redirection. Um, there's been interviews recently where even Daisy Ridley said, oh, I know who Ray's parents are. So some of you are asking me, hey, do you think uh, uh, that means uh, that the, the, the born of the force theory is out of uh, play now, that this is not something that we uh, um, we have uh, to play around with anymore. Look, we're going to get the answer eventually. I kind of like uh, having the um, 
kind of like having the the fun of wondering what it is uh, that that goes into this. Uh, Darth Vanquish, I'm, I'm looking for this. That's why I'm stalling for a second. Darth Vanquish asked back on April 11th in an interview, Daisy Ridley says she knows she knows who Ray's parents are. Does this negate the quote "born of the Force" theory that I've been discussing on this show? Uh, that a friend and listener, Kevin Ross, had told me um, uh, his theory that I bought into uh, to a point. I always keep it open. I still say Skywalker, Luke. Skywalker is is the one, um, and uh, I, I, I think it's less and less likely that she is born of the Force. I do think, though, if we're going to move off Luke, I think the Kenobi bloodline, not necessarily Obi-Wan himself, but that the Kenobi bloodline is a leading contender. I know some of you are saying, well, hey, we have a, you know, only a few families that were following around in the Star Wars galaxy in these main movies. Can't we branch out a little bit? Uh, Yeah, I agree with that. Look at Rogue One. Jyn Erso is a new character, and I don't think she's tied to Rey in any way. I think Jyn Erso is not the new Mara Jade. She's not going to uh, take Luke down to uh, the space cafe for a space milkshake. Um, I think Jyn Erso, Jyn, Jyn Erso is a standalone character at this point. Whether or not there's other stuff, there'll be books, there'll be comics. Uh, you know That I can uh, get behind. But for right now, I'm excited that we do have a new character that does not have Skywalker, Solo, or Kenobi as a surname. But I think in the main story, this is very much a story, unless you think it's a story about C-3PO and R2-D2, which uh, Lucas has said before that uh, the first six are just uh, their version and they're looking out at the galaxy and telling the story. Um, The main story, which for now uh, rests in seven and on to eight and nine and beyond, this is a Skywalker story. This is now a solo family story. So it would be interesting if it is a Kenobi family story. There's a theory that is not mine. And I'm scrambling right now as we record live to tape to remember which one of my friends told me. Oh God, I can't remember who. But it's a Kenobi bloodline theory. And, uh, oh, you know what? It was uh, from our guest on Last Force Center. It's the Kenobi, Sabine, and Satine bloodline. And that Ray could be tied to Sabine from Rebels. Uh, And that uh, it could be related to Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Clone Wars falling for Senator Satine, who is a Mandalorian. And then you got... Sabine running around Rebels, a Mandalorian, and that maybe Rey is a Kenobi with that kind of Jedi blood and a high midi-chlorian account and has some Mandalorian fighting skills. I love that theory. Quite possibly a new leading theory in the clubhouse. I wish I could create my own theories like all of you out there. I I don't have that ability apparently. I just don't. I I think it's Luke's kid and if it's not, I don't know. IG88's cousin. I don't know. But I love all these theories. I love that we get to have this fun now. 
Um, so the question about J.J. saying not in Episode 7, it's interesting to me. It now fuels it. I like maybe that the answer isn't Luke. I like that we're going to get more questions, perhaps, than answers in Episode 8. And I was having a discussion with Mark Ellis of Schmoes No, Jedi Council, and stand-up comedy. You know Mark. We love Mark. He kind of is of the opinion that, hey, slow down. And I'm sure he'll say this on the Force Center episode that we're recording tomorrow and will be released later in the week for you guys. Um, I, I believe, I'm sure he'll say or what I'm about to say, uh, which is uh, what he told me tonight, that, hey, slow down. Slow down. Take a pause. Now, his thing is, he better have the answer in eight. He wants the answer in eight of Ray's parents. I, though, swear on my life I heard a story coming out of uh, before Force Awakens or right after Force Awakens came out that, that her the answer to the question of who's Ray's parents is, is not going to come in eight. It will come in nine. I thought I even heard that from Colin Trevorrow. Someone fact-check me. I'm pointing to my wall. No one's here. Fact-check me. Okay. I am okay with waiting until nine to find the answer. Uh, That means we have to wait a few years, though. And it's a burning question. Star Wars media discussion. This Star Wars nerd bubble. We all want to know. We want to know now, but I am okay with the long play here. At the end of 8, I would like Ray's mother to be revealed. I pitched that story before. That Luke sends her, Ray, to her mother as now the only person that could help her. That'd be kind of cool. We can get behind that. Mark Ellis thinks that he needs the answer in 8, or you have to if you're not going to tell. You have to tell me a spectacular story. Uh, and, and I'm sure he'll go more into that. I don't want to take that away from him as we are set to interview him soon. But... I guess the big question is for all of you out there, can you wait? Can you be patient about who's Ray's parents? If I were to tell you the answer comes in nine, are you going to throw your popcorn in the air and guffaw like some kind of YouTube comment? Or are you ready for the long play? Are you ready for the long play? The answer certainly is not going to come early in eight. It's going to come in the third act. Late second. I mean, think of it. Empire Strikes Back. We uh, we didn't know that we needed the answer of who's Luke fa- Luke's father uh, because we thought we had it. We thought eh, this Darth Vader character killed him, and and you go into Empire, and suddenly the big twist, the swerve. Um, this one, we're waiting for the answer. We're waiting for it intently. We're writing a lot of think pieces on blogs about. This answer we seek about Ray. But I'm, I'm telling you, I think there might be more questions. As much as I, and I love these theories, born of the Force, born of Sabine, born of Palpatine, born of Plagueis, born of the Force and Plagueis. Uh, I love them all, but I'm okay to pump the brakes a little bit. Maybe we all should stop and pump the brakes just a little bit. So, uh, lest we be disappointed when at the end of episode 8 they say, uh, you know, it was Lobot all along. That rascally Lobot couldn't keep his space trousers up. 
He's he's sexing his own way, right? No? No? Lobot isn't the Star Wars sex symbol I think he is? Okay. Okay. I thought maybe I had some hope. So, that's the big news from today. I'm preaching patience. But I love to hear your theories. They're all great. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. But I also like to hear your questions. I like to have a conversation with you. That's what Spotlight Star Wars is. It is me talking to you guys on Twitter. Last week, of course, the news was Rogue One. And uh, that trailer was good. I've watched it several times. I suffer slightly from Star Wars malaise. I'm not as excited for it as maybe I would hope to be. But that said, I still love that trailer. I still think it's a, a home run. And they've done a uh, a great job uh, in kind of um, 
uh, kind of slipping that out. We still know so little about Rogue One. And we did that for center with Jennifer, Joseph, uh, and Matt as our special guest. So, um, taking to your questions, Darth Vanquish has another great question. Uh, he wants to know how many, how much will Rogue One reference the prequels, or how much would you want to see referenced from the prequels? Darth Vanquish, I think that's a good question. We run from the prequels a lot, and I uh, get it. I understand. We've gone into detail on that, and I'm sure we'll discuss the prequels some more. On Force Center, Spotlight, Star Wars, any other show we do here on the network. The prequels are here to stay, whether you want them or not. So, how many references would I want to see in Rogue One? Quite frankly, a fair amount. I'm be okay with. What those references are, I don't know. You're seeing on Rebels, it was it was Mr. Scrimshaw himself, my Force Center broadcast partner. Who, who highlights that episode this season where they just kind of casually mention the Genosans. The Genosians are wiped out. They're gone. The very planet that Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Padme were almost murdered in, uh, the, the very planet that actually in non-canon storyline is kind of saw the birth of General Grievous and his first action. Uh, I don't think that counts anymore, but it's actually... If you read that book, uh, Labyrinth of Evil, it talks about Grievous showing up in the catacombs during that first battle on a, in Attack of the Clones on Genosis. Um, and, uh, and of course, uh, you know, the, the, the Genosans uh, are the ones who started the, the Death Star. So Joseph's point is, ah, is that what Rebels is starting to do, what maybe the rest of Star Wars will start to do, is sweep away, acknowledge, but sweep away a lot of the past. Uh, I think you uh, could see some of that in Rogue One. I think you could see references. Um, but I think the thing Rogue One, what I might need it to do more than anything else, is connect the old trilogy with not just the prequels, but everything else that we now know as canon. That word, canon, it's almost a dreaded word now. I can sense Pablo Hidalgo and Leland Chi's frustrations with all of us Star Wars nerds just talking about canon, debating canon, wondering what is canon, talking about canon. And I am guilty of it, too, because we have to. It's confusing. We had to reset the, the plate here, and, and uh, uh, canon is, uh, you know, it is important. But I can tell you that in Rogue One, I'd like to see the bigger universe connected to the original trilogy through this movie in slight ways. We know that when Lucas wrote uh, The Adventures of Luke Starkiller, a Star Wars tale, or whatever the historic long title was, I knew it at one point, I, old, I'm, I apologize. Um, when Lucas was writing that, he envisioned a bigger world and maybe envisioned the sequels, but he certainly, certainly could not envision what we have now. So that leads to gaps. Now, the prequels created its own gaps or its own kind of changes in story, etc., etc., but things like the Inquisitors, which factor very much into Rebels, of course, and actually are overall a pretty cool concept. They're not mentioned in A New Hope, so inside the story, why? Why do we not know? If there's other key Imperials at the time, which we know there are, 
And they're not just Tag and Modi and all the people on the Death Star at the beginning of New Hope. Um, you know, and they're they're factored uh, in greatly into Rogue One. If Mads Mikkelsen is a new villain, Ben Mendelsohn is a new Imperial Security Chief, or uh, John Thrawn, the the the, uh, the cousin of Grand Admiral Thrawn, um, we need to know. We need an explanation as to why they're not there, and that could that could factor in prequel stuff. That could factor in a lot of those things. Why things from there are now different? Because again, one of the things that kind of is interesting is. The end of Revenge of the Sith is 18, 19 years before start of A New Hope. But as we know, in A New Hope, it just, it, that 20 years seems like 50 or, or 100 at times. About the, the old days, the Clone Wars, a peaceful time. And really, they're talking as if uh, we'd be talking now about the, the late 80s, which uh, isn't that long ago, uh, or into the 90s, actually, really, quite frankly. Ooh, time flies. I am old. I just I think the eighties are twenty years ago, not thirty years. Oh boy. Help me. Help me. I turn forty next week, kids. It gets worse. So if it's only nineteen years or so between the end of Revenge of the Sith and the beginning of New Hope, I wanna know why, man. Why everything from the prequels is a distant memory. Not mentioned, buried. And I think the comics try to do that a lot. Uh, the books try to do that a lot, and they, a lot of them do them very well. Um, the Darth Vader-Ahsoka relationship is starting to be explained, uh, why she doesn't factor into the original trilogy. It's, again, in story, because we know the character was only created 10 years ago or so, inside 10 years ago. So, um, it, it, Paulus Kemp's book, The Lords of the Sith, I, I cite it time and time again. That does a great job, great job of starting to explain Starting to explain why uh, Ahsoka's no longer in Vader's brain as much as you'd think for someone who was positioned to be so important during the Clone Wars. Even vanishing before Revenge of the Sith. Um, so that's what I want more from Rogue One than just references to the prequels. And I don't think you'll get cheesy ones. Rogue One doesn't seem to be at this point cheesy. Now, the first teasers and the trailers for The Force Awakens didn't have a lot of the comedy elements that we did get in the movie, but it seemed fun, and it seemed like a Star Wars adventure. Chewie were home, seemed in place, and Han Solo was still going to be Han Solo. Rogue One, look, Jyn Erso could be one of the funniest characters in the Star Wars galaxy. We just don't know it yet. We know she's a bit of a smartass in a good way. She's sassy, and we like that. This is a very intriguing character. But uh, I don't get from Rogue One that it's going to be a laugh-it-up fuzzball movie, and I like that. So I don't think any references to the prequels in Rogue One should be little throwaways uh, or, uh, uh, um, you know, Dexter Jetster uh, shows up opening up a new cafe. or uh, I don't need any of that. But if it's solid stuff, solid references to the prequels. Uh, maybe to the Organas, and, and uh, obviously Mon Mothma's in there, and it's the same actress from Revenge of the Sith. Uh, so you got stuff already set up to be tied in. Darth Vanquish, I don't know if that answers your question. I think I went off on a tangent. I apologize to y'all. Um, I, I'm excited about Rogue One. And Daniel Logic has a great question about Rogue One. Do you think we'll see the Death Star destroy something big, maybe planet-sized during Rogue One? I've had this discussion elsewhere, and uh, I uh, want to answer it now. I'll tell you, I, I think, yeah. I think, yeah. I think we're going to see 
the Death Star in action, but secretly. They talk about the trailer about a weapons test. Well, I think those tests have to be completed. It took about 19 years to get this Death Star up and running. Uh, and we don't know if there's other ones before it. There's been a lot of talk about that, about the dish and the Death Star being put back in when at the end of Revenge of the Sith it already seemed to be in place. So, yeah, I think it, there's a reason it took that long to build the first Death Star, and there could have been other tests. Um, but uh, in story, the destruction of Alderaan is kind of the first, shall we say, public display of the power of this space station. A fully fully armed and operational battle station. Yes, that's the second Death Star, but you get the point. So, as a on a galaxy-wide level, I don't think we're going to see the Death Star do that. But I think you've got to have some weight to what the Rebels are doing in the movie. Story-wise, we know the Death Star is pretty deadly, and that we need to... Uh, take it out and get the plans. We know that as fans. But in the story, this little upstart rebellion, yeah, it's called the Death Star, so they have a pretty good idea that it's not good. But in the story, I think you have to have some weight to it. You have to be like, oh, we really need those plans. So I think you're going to see the Death Star do something pretty cool. James Chi asked another question, and I've answered it on Jedi Alliance, but I realize now uh, some of you, maybe a lot of you, uh, are not familiar with my work on Jedi Alliance, which is a show still currently on the Popcorn Talk Network, hosted by Mark Donica and John Roca, recently hosted by Joseph Scrimshaw, along with Donica. And uh, prior to that was hosted by me, and prior to that, hosted and co-created by uh, me and Maud Garrett. And we had a lot of fun doing that show. We did, uh, I think Maude and I did about 29 episodes together. You can go find those on iTunes or on the Popcorn Talks YouTube page. And after that, I did several shows uh, on my own with uh, special guests. Um, so uh, some of you might not know me from that. I'm assuming most of you do. So this is a repeat. But uh, James Chi, I guess maybe you hadn't heard on Jedi Lines. He asks a bit of a random question. He says, what is your favorite sound effect from Star Wars? His is the tractor beam sound, which I assume is more the, the sound of uh, when Obi-Wan turns it uh, down, which is, that, which is a great Star Wars sound. James, my favorite Star Wars sound, and there's a lot to choose from. The TIE Fighters, the Falcon when it hits into overdrive, some of those laser blasts uh, from TIE Fighters, and those dogfights I love. But my favorite sound effect... I can't deny it, because it's on Jedi Alliance, but it's from the prequels, and it is that sonic depth charge from Slave 1 in that dogfight with Obi-Wan during Attack of the Clones. I just loved it. I loved it in the theater. I still love it now. I'll occasionally, I'm not even lying to you. This is why I spend most of my life alone. I occasionally will go to YouTube and just bring up the clip of the sonic depth charge and, and play it for myself. I love it. It is uh, that sound. There's that pause there's the, you see the effect, you see the explosion uh, go, and there's a silence, and then there's that... I'm not doing it justice. But that is my favorite sound. And that is why I've never, even though at times I've really, really been vocal of my dislike of the prequels, most of it before podcasting existed, 
Um, I still have to defend them and accept them as Star Wars stories because there's so much uh, that I like in them that are part of the greater Star Wars uh, tapestry. Uh, the nerd tapestry and those sonic depth charges are my favorite sound. Guys, I think that is all this week. I thank you. I still don't feel too well, which is uh, what happens when you go to Las Vegas for five days. My throat is a little burning. So I'm going to close down the Spotlight Star Wars chat for today. But, but again, I preach patience on Ray's parents. We will get our answer. Let's all let it breathe. While speculating, but let it breathe a little bit. Thanks again for your questions. You can always reach out to me on Twitter. Follow me at CadNapsock and follow this network at Force Center Pod. Great things coming. Hashtag Spotlight Star Wars to join the conversation with me. I'll answer more of your questions later. And I'm working on an episode of Spotlight Star Wars about my least favorite Star Wars characters. So I want to ask you guys out there, what are some of your least favorite Star Wars characters. Could be main characters, side characters. Um, What about them? And who are they? And let's try to solve that in a future episode. So until next time, thanks for listening to Spotlight Star Wars. I'm Ken Abzuck. May that force thing kind of sort of always remain around. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.